Asterisks, welcome to another episode of Ad Aster. Happy belated Valentine's Day, and we hope your month has been filled with joy, peace of mind, and lots of high-quality love poems, because we know that it can vary. And we are super excited because today we'll be having a conversation about conversations and about breaking open your echo chamber through writing and through having an open mind. And we're especially excited to have Sophie Barron um, as our first guest for Ad Aster this year. Sophie is a unifier. She is the founder and CEO of The Conversationalist, and her community of over 15,000 young people is committed to coming together through differences, through POVs, the first ever Gen Z talk show, and their digital network on the Geneva app. Sophie was recently named 25 under 25 by Social Entrepreneurs Magazine and 21 Women Entrepreneurs to Watch in 2021. Her journey began at the University of Pennsylvania, where she received her bachelor's degree in communications and her master's degree in nonprofit leadership. And she, in general, is just a really awesome human. And we are so psyched to have her today. Um, before we launch our, our podcast episode, we'll go around and introduce ourselves. And um, my name is Liz, and I am a member of Ad Aster and Aster Lit. And a song that I've been listening to a lot lately is Pancakes for Dinner by Lizzie McAlpine. And like, I absolutely like, I love her so much. Her music just like makes me feel like so like sappy and like it always puts me in the best mood. So yeah, we can go around and introduce ourselves and um, a song that you've been listening to recently that you really like. My name's Abigail. I go by Abby. I am a part of Asterlet and Ad Aster. And a song I've been listening to recently is called People and Their Bits by an artist called Shu, which is an interesting name for both parts. Um, but I really like it because it has a really big basis and a really big bass and guitar, the music itself. And um, it makes me really want to learn how to play it. And yeah, I really like how like there's a really nice intro and a really nice outro, both guitar bass. And I want to learn how to play all of it. So I've been listening to it very recently. Hi, my name is Hesindi, and I'm also a member of Ad Astra and Astlet. And the song that I've been I've been listening to constantly lately it's called me 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 by 100 gex because i've been really in this hype of pop phase lately so i just really like the drums and the beat on it amazing hi everyone liz thank you so much again for that intro and hesindi abby it's so nice to meet you i can't wait for our conversation liz already gave my intro so i'll, I'll spare you of explaining who i am but a song that i've been listening to lately is Doppelganger by Joshua Bassett. That could be a controversial answer. I don't know if you're team Olivia, team Sabrina, team Joshua, but his new single just came out last night and I'm, I'm a huge fan. I love Joshua Bassett so much. Like, I think his music is really underrated and I'm not gonna say any, anything else in case there's like a rift, but yeah, I think all their music is good. I'm just like, especially drawn to Joshua Bassett's. Me too, and also I love Lizzie McAlpine, so that was such a good answer. I guess to start, we know a little bit about your journey, about the impact that you've had with The Conversationalist. What drew you to to start it? Like, what was the inspiration behind it? Whew, it was a, it's been a long journey. Um, going all the way back to the start, I think The Conversationalist was born out of my upbringing. I think we all are kind of a summation of our stories and experiences. And for me, my story growing up was feeling like an outsider. 
I was always trying to fit in. I just wanted to roll with the crowd, but no matter how hard I tried, I was labeled as the other. I was the only Jewish kid in my entire school, and that was pretty challenging for me. And so I felt like I didn't have the agency to to use my voice. I, I thought the only way to use my voice and be a leader and a change maker was to be the leader in every aspect of my school you know, running for class president every year, auditioning for the lead in the musical and never getting those parts and feeling like I didn't have a voice. So fast forward to college, I went to Penn in Philadelphia and I was so excited to finally meet other Jewish kids just like me. And so before I knew it, after my first semester of college, I was in the Jewish acapella group, the Jewish sorority, even had a Jewish boyfriend, was on Hillel board, which is like the Jewish student union and childhood Sophie was as happy as can be. But I realized that As I was walking through campus one day, I started to notice that every single person on campus was doing the exact same thing as I was, but with their respective identity groups. And I realized that I was actually taking for granted what I had experienced in Wichita growing up in Kansas, where I had people in my life of all different backgrounds, all different walks of life that pushed me to understand more and learn more and grow. So that realization led me down this path of entrepreneurship. I never thought I was going to be an entrepreneur, but I saw that issue that I cared so passionately about, which was the echo chamber. And so what started as a club at Penn that I started my sophomore year called Table Talk eventually spread to 80 campuses and then eventually led to the foundation of the conversationalist. So long story short, it really was bred out of my my upbringing in Kansas, feeling like the odd one out, but realizing that I had a voice all along and I didn't have to wait for anyone else's permission to use it. That's really interesting. And I really relate to that so much because coming from like this background of me, me being Sri Lankan and coming to this entirely foreign country where there's a lot of white people, which is kind of like hard to like, how to like get into because you realize that your writing is somewhat your voice now because you realize you have a lot of other experiences as a marginalized person in this like strange community so writing is kind of, has kind of become my voice and i guess what i have to ask is what do you think of writing as a medium of power and as a medium of like conversation First of all, Hesindi, I'm so sorry to hear that you've felt that too. In a way, I think it's nice to know that you're not alone. You know, I felt so alone in that growing up. And so I hope you know that, you know, what makes you different truly is the thing that makes you powerful. Um, but I, I love what you said about using writing as your voice. For me, that was also the jumping off point. Um, to, to bring the story full circle, the 2016 election was pretty jarring on my campus. Um, Every single person was posting fiery Facebook statuses, flyering on campus, really trying to get people to vote for Hillary. And rightfully so, we were on the East Coast, it was an echo chamber, but it was the first time that I realized that the concept of that silo, the echo chamber, existed beyond just our different identity groups. And so for me, there was a moment my junior year where I was sitting in a finance class and all of a sudden my professor started telling us who to vote for. And That moment, for some reason, got me so fired up that I actually stood up out of my chair and left the classroom. And that was the night before the election. After that, I was feeling all of these emotions. I didn't know where to go. But what did I do first? I took a pen 
and I started writing. And I started essentially venting and ranting on paper about why our generation needs to break those echo chambers. You know, we're so divided because we're unwilling to listen to people's points of view outside of our own. So I think for me, writing was really the first tool that gave me the agency to use my voice. I don't think I was ready to go out on campus with a megaphone and use my voice in the literal sense. And for me, I think putting it down on paper was the best possible medium to start because it allowed me to sift through and sort through all of my thoughts and inner feelings. And it eventually turned into an article that got published in the Huffington Post. And so that was really the first instance of me using my voice and realizing that it didn't have to be at the front of a classroom. It didn't have to be class president or the lead in the musical. I could be a leader in my own right just by sharing my passions on paper. So that's what eventually was the spark that led to the conversationalist today. But I definitely think writing is is one of the most powerful ways to essentially assert your agency as a young person and a leader in this world. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that, Sophie. I think I've read the Huffington Post article. Yeah, it's like really amazing how like you were able to channel that frustration and that desire to bring about change, but also do it in a way that was accessible. And then turning to writing for that, because I started writing poetry when I was seven and it was like bootleg Taylor Swift lyrics. And now I feel like much more purposeful in my writing where um, I mostly do like spoken word and playwriting. And like Abby and Hessen do, I was also a member of BTL. That and being NYC Youth Poet Laureate um, has really like opened my mind. And there are so many things that we just take for granted or like sometimes it can feel like really insular because we're only taught a certain curriculum. Um, we don't know about writers from like Pakistan and we don't always read them. And then BTL was like a chance to really to broaden like our literary palette and also have these conversations about like these are like things that we take for granted in all our culture. These are things that happen in our lives. And um, there's always something universal like a mother's love or like um, navigating identity, feeling like you're a contradiction. And I think like a lot of writers have gone through that, like feeling a contradiction. And by breaking open echo chambers, you don't really have to fit in this one box and like you can exist simply as yourself um, without having to apologize for it. There's something so powerful about that. And Liz, you act as if I didn't know all of those things about you. I love watching your poetry. You know, you're an incredible writer and Hesindi and Abby, I can't wait to read your writing as well. Um, But you're so right. It's really a way to just be you and put yourself out into the world in a way that's either for yourself or for others. I even find journaling to be so incredibly cathartic because it's really just a way to affirm the things that you're thinking and validate them on paper. So I love what you said, Liz. As writers, we all search for inspiration to write about, right? Whether it be from mood playlists or art we seek on social media or from our own real lives, we seek out what to write on. We can get a variety of ideas, a wonderful selection of topics to use in our writing. However, like you mentioned, we can also find ourselves trapped in the same loop of ideas. The same tropes recycled over and over, the same concepts thrown out with little difference in their execution, the same arguments with writing being fought again and again. So what we're going to talk about today are echo chambers and how we break out of them as writers. Let's talk about them. Echo chambers are the bane of my existence. I get up out of bed every day to break echo chambers. So let's get into it. Where should we start? 
So what kind of echo chambers have you seen just in general in your life? Yeah, so for anyone listening also who doesn't quite understand what an echo chamber is, it's an environment that forms online, on social media, or in person in the communities you're a part of and your friends and your family, where you tend to only encounter people, perspectives, ideas, and opinions that are the same as your own. And the more we exist within communities and circles that just reaffirm our own belief systems, we start to believe that as truth, but there's so much more to understand about the world than just what the people around us believe. So my first realization of an echo chamber was my upbringing in Kansas. You know, being the only Jewish kid in a predominantly privileged, white, waspy environment, if you will, um, it, it really taught me that there were so many people there in my community who had different views than myself but it was largely an echo chamber. And going back to another election that I think helps paint the picture was back in 2012 when it was the Obama election. I still remember to this day sitting in Commons, which is where we ate lunch in my high school, and pretty much half of my grade showed up to school with no Obama shirts and <laughs> were so incredibly furious at the news that Obama had been elected president. And I think that was a realization for me later on to realize that that wasn't the norm. There were so many people in the world that did want Obama to be president and vice versa, but I was really only given the glimpse of people who were anti-Obama. And so I think that was really my first inkling of the echo chamber. And then of course, the reverse happened when I went to Penn and I joined an echo chamber of all Jewish students, but then realized that I needed to break outside of that because what's the point of going to college if you're only going to stay with in a group of like-minded people. So for me, it's been about realizing that the accounts that I follow on social media, the people who I surround myself with tend to be people who agree with me. And so every single day, I try to find new ways to break outside of that. I'm really glad that you realized that like you do need diversity and you do need more perspectives. And so you asked that we went to seek that. I consider myself sometimes to be a, a Hannah Montana of sorts. I've got the best of both worlds. I've got my conservative echo chamber from going up, growing up in Kansas. I've got my more liberal echo chamber from the East Coast. And now I'm still figuring things out, but at least I can see the forest from the trees. That's a great way of putting it. I also come from like an echo chamber. Like I grew up in, um, I went to a school that was like literally my exact cultural background of like, Russian Jewish immigrants and then everyone I talked to was Russian Jewish immigrants and then it was like it was also a very similarly like, conservative background and then I got into high school and it was way more diverse and I met a lot of new people and got introduced to a lot of new different cultures and a lot of different perspectives so it's really funny looking at my perspective say started my freshman year of high school to what they are now and of course I'm still trying to figure out where I land and what exactly I believe in but it's definitely, I've definitely broken out of some thoughts I've had or some uh, some beliefs I've held uh, because I realized that like I heard the other side and I don't think they're true anymore. That's amazing. I think so much of that discovery happens when you start to question the things that you've been told since a young age, right? I think for so much of my life, I really only believed what I was being told at the dinner table or being told in the classroom. And so I think what, what's amazing, especially about Gen Z, is that, you know, we're able to seek out those answers on our own. You know, we have the world at our fingertips. We can start to question things. And it's amazing to hear that you started to do that, too. 
Um, Liz, Hessendy, what about you? Did you feel like you were trapped in an echo chamber for most of your life? And how did you break outside of it? Oh, yeah, I've definitely felt like I've been an echo chamber. Because for most of our life, I was I was in an all girls school. And that was like an echo chamber in and of itself, because I only had like, perspective from like minded people to go on. And they weren't even like minded people, because I felt like I was different, because I was bisexual. And you know, that whole that whole thing about not being accepted in like this, like this community where I was supposed to be accepted, because you know, I was a girl, and stuff like that. And also one of the more bigger echo chambers I've been in was like, I was I was like a really huge member of Stan Twitter. And I feel like that's that's like shaped me in kind of a bad way because I've realized I was looking at this really big echo chamber and I was I was like sprouting opinions that that I didn't even believe in, but just pretended I believed in because I had to like conform to the norms and say and get internet like points basically those were two of the bigger echo chambers i've been in stan culture is a whole other topic (laughs) that we could get into another time but it's awesome (laughs) to hear that now you recognize that conforming wasn't the way to go that's great liz what about you i definitely really want to what abby said about like growing up in like a Russian, a very like traditional like Russian Jewish background. And it's interesting because my parents are very, I guess like open-minded about certain things and not so much about others. And like, you didn't question like these like conservative beliefs, like especially with my dad, like after the 2020 election, you know, it was just like very um, tense politically, but then also um, in school, my friend group is very much like moderate or liberal. This isn't like casting moral judgments on anyone. I think like being able to be part of so many groups especially like through writing and like witnessing like the real-time impact of like these social issues and like learning about like the climate crisis and women's equality and like researching it from not necessarily a political perspective but like an artist perspective um it did make me empathize a lot with um with my family and like with um with my friends with other members of the writing community and i think like personally like breaking outside of my echo chamber I really felt like freshman me, sophomore me um, was very like held back and I didn't want to like um, say the wrong thing or upset people or like I wasn't like um, my humor like wasn't as sarcastic as it is now. Like I was afraid of offending people. And I think a large part of that was because I was so insecure about my own identity, about being queer and Russian Jewish American, feeling like a contradiction. But I think like my friend group has like really opened up my mind and made me see that like and also like being a writer, like I don't have to literally like no one cares or like people either don't care they're supportive and the people that don't aren't worth it like spent wasting your energy and it sucks because you love them and they can't like love this part of you and you like keep questioning why but also I think like um on a more wholesome note um my understanding of masculinity and um I think like because my dad like does a lot of the cooking and Um, also like I didn't really have like a lot of guy friends in like freshman year but now I do and like they're all like really like wholesome like examples of like masculinity and also like toxic masculinity they told me how it affects them too if I wasn't friends with them I wouldn't really understand that or like if I hadn't seen like with my dad or like male like members of my family like um, sometimes like they feel like they can't like be open about their emotions or they have to take on more responsibilities just like being able to see that from their perspective as well as my own as a woman. 
That's amazing. And Liz, thank you for sharing that. I think you never know what someone's going through until you ask. So I think it's amazing that you've been able to have those conversations. And at the same time, I think what you shared brought something up for me, which is don't get me wrong. You should a hundred percent surround yourself with people who uplift you, who get you find your people. Um, and I think breaking your echo chamber doesn't have to be a monolith. It doesn't have to be done in one way or another. I just think it needs to be kind of scattered throughout our lives, right? Like still be surrounded by the people who get you, maybe who can make you feel heard and validated. And if those people have the same views as you, great. But at the same time, if you're only surrounding yourself with those types of people, try to find ways to break outside of those boxes. That was a really heartwarming and eye-opening conversation. And I guess like to round off, even though I could talk about this with you guys for hours. What do you think the future of breaking echo chambers looks like through art and also with your experience at The Conversationalist? How can people who maybe haven't heard of The Conversationalist join? Or even um, if you're just starting out, like in opening your mind to new perspectives, how can you do so in a way that's driven by empathy and understanding? Mm, So many questions. I don't know where to start, but (laughs) I think the future of breaking echo chambers, at least through art and using different mediums, whether it be writing, singing, painting, journaling, I think they all intersect with voice. So I think the more that our generation and Gen Alpha and the generations that follow understand that their voices deserve to be heard. I hope that that will create more artistic works and things to be talked about that hopefully will continue to break echo chambers just by people being who they are. I think art is one of the most powerful tools. And I hope that, you know, with our digital world, we continue to expand in that way. And hopefully people can continue taking it upon themselves to break their echo chambers. I don't think anything's going to change unless people realize that this is something we have to take upon ourselves to do. Um, Following five new accounts a week on Instagram can do wonders for breaking your echo chamber. And the same as starting up a conversation like Liz, you spoke about with some of your guy friends, find people who fall right outside of your echo chamber, whether it's someone from a different state, from a different culture, a different race, religion, gender, sexuality, just initiate that conversation. And I think that's a really low touch way to get started. And I think the more that I surround myself with people and ideas that are different from my own, the more it actually reaffirms what I believe in. So that's where I would say to start. Just start on social media. Start with the people around you, your community, and and find ways to just explore the things that you're passionate about through the lens of other people. So that's where I would say to get started. I hope the future of breaking echo chambers also means in the in-person space. I would love to be having this conversation with the three of you right now in you know your living room or at a coffee shop. And I just hope that we're on the verge of this post-pandemic world where we can actually bring human connection back to the face-to-face space. Um, so that's a little bit about my thoughts on echo chambers. And if anyone wants to get more involved in actively breaking your echo chamber. I know Liz knows this, but we have a community on an app where every single day, 24 seven, young people from around the world are sharing their opinions about what matters to them. Anything from current events to politics, to pop culture, mental health, anything and everything that matters to our generation 
there's someone there to have a conversation with you and to challenge your point of view. And I think I so badly wish that I would have had something like that when I was younger, when I was sitting in the classroom learning about the Holocaust, when all of my classmates would stare at me. I wish I could have had a place to go to say, hey, I'm feeling this way. Has anyone else felt this? Or, hey, what can I do about this? Or, hey, something's going on in the world. Russia's invading Ukraine. How can we talk about it? What can we do? It's a fantastic place to just start those conversations. So feel free to check us out on Instagram at The Conversationalist or our website, theconversationalist.com, or just reach out to me. I'm at Sophie Barron on all platforms, and I'm so excited to start the conversation with all of you. What's the name of the app? The app is called Geneva. It's similar to Discord and Slack um, mixed with a bunch of different other audio and video tools. So it's really just an incredible hangout for young people. So come come join us. We will we'll definitely check it out. I will hop back in to see the conversations that have been happening. Speaking of conversations, this has been a really amazing one. And I loved hearing all your perspectives. I'm so glad you got to share yours and like teach us more about how to have these conversations going forward in our own lives. I think it was really eye-opening and I'm really grateful for the opportunity to do that. So thank you so much for joining us. And um, to all the asterisks listening, stay tuned for the next episode of Ad Aster. Thank you so much and have an amazing rest of the day. Mm -hmm.